0: Basically, the principle of the path is this, that direction determines destination. Direction determines destination. Direction, not intention, not hopes and dreams, not pursuit of happiness. Direction determines destination. We know that when we're driving, right? We know that when we're hiking. Uh, But when it comes to things like our marriage, our money, our relationships, our education, our moral standards, our entertainment standards, when it comes to all these other issues of life, it seems like there's often a huge disconnect. And because we desire to kind of end up here, but we get on a path that's taking us there, and we, we wonder, when we get there, we wonder, you know, oh God, what's wrong now? What happened? Like, God, where were you? Like, how did I get here, God. Why am I where I am? And did you abandon me? And, and, and God would say, maybe some of your friends would say, well, that's the path you chose because direction determines your destination, not simply your intention. But there's this huge uh, disconnect that says the path doesn't matter as long as your intentions are right, you choose your truth, somehow you're going to magically end up where you want to be. But in fact you don't. So the question I want to begin to answer today is, how do you know which path to be on? Because this is tough, because nobody wants to wake up in their 30s or 40s and wish they'd been on a different path in their 20s, right? Nobody wants to wake up in their 50s and wish they'd gotten on a different path in their 30s. But you only get to, you know, like be in your 20s once, and for, you only get to be like a senior in high school I was going to say once, but then I'm looking around the room and I know your story. But So, so for some of you, you get to be a senior. Yeah, I see you back there. For, you get to be a senior twice. But eventually, my point is you move on. There are so many stages of life that go by so quickly. Have you noticed this? That there isn't any time to waste. And the last thing we need to do is kind of complicate our lives and dream and wish and pray in this direction then either accidentally or on purpose get on a different path that takes us to a different destination. So how do you know which path to take? How do you know that marrying this man or this woman that you're dating or engaged to is really the path, right? Because marriage is a path that's going to take you on a destination. How do you know that moving in together is really the path that's gonna take you to where you wanna be because living together is not an isolated incident or an event, living together is a path that takes you somewhere. How do you know divorce is gonna get you where you want to be? How do you know that a second marriage is gonna get you where you want to be? How do you know your relationship with alcohol, is going to take you where you want to be. Because in your mind, you have a destination in mind, uh, but how do you know that that's the path, that that path is going to take you where you want to be? How do you know another car loan or another credit card or another monthly payment is going to get you where you want to be? There are, there, these are major life decisions, and they're not isolated incidents. They're, they're not just events. They are paths to take. And we don't have time to waste because time is life. And the last thing you want to do is waste your life. Wake up a few years down the road and realize you have to backtrack because you don't really get to make up for lost time. I mean, if you get lost driving, you waste a few minutes maybe, but you get lost in life, you can waste years. And we don't want to do that. There are several ways to figure out the right path because, again, at different stages, you know, things are new and you don't know. I mean, think about this. It's so crazy when you think about getting married and choosing a partner. It's scary to think about how young and clueless I was when I got married. Hi. Um, How, like how can, I didn't expect you to be in the room at this point. How, (laughs) how can someone who's young and never been married before make a good decision about marriage? I mean, you only get one first marriage, right? Right. Or how about a second marriage, because there's a different dynamic going on, because now you've been married before, and you're getting married again, so you, got, you should have all of this like, accumulated wisdom now, but instead it usually amounts to baggage, and all this stuff that kind of affects your perspective, how do you make that decision, and, and who wants to waste time and life going down the wrong path when it comes to that? So anyway, to get us going today, I want to start with a verse in Proverbs. Here's the thing about a proverb. A proverb is not necessarily a promise. There's no guarantee with a proverb that if you do A, then you are guaranteed that B will happen. Like, uh, so that just let's understand that, okay? A promise is a declaration of God that the recipients of the promise can expect it to be fulfilled. That's very clear. But sometimes a proverb is based on a promise, and sometimes it's based on a principle, so if a promise is something that God says he will do when he will do it, a principle is something we should do. It's something we should apply to our lives. Principles always come with a historical and cultural contextual application. So sometimes a proverb is based on a promise. Sometimes it's based on a principle. And sometimes it's just a proverb. Because a proverb is simply an observation that gives us a sense of general expectations in life. For example, if a person plays with fire, they will get burned, right, unless they don't. Right? Right. Think about it. Ever seen a fire eater? Ever seen a fire eater? I have several times. i got to think about this. I've seen this, and some of you have too, seen the same guy. Do the same act. He does it several times a day and he's done it for years. So, what about if you play with fire, you'll get burned? Because 99.9999% of us would become a human torch if we tried this at home. That's why there's a disclaimer don't try this at home. So to know the difference about what a proverb is saying to us, whether it's a promise or a principle or simply a proverb, an observation, we need to understand the historical and cultural context and we need to have a good understanding of what is true, of what is true about God based on what we find throughout Scripture. So having said all that, that's like my disclaimer. Here's the verse I want to start with today. It's a proverb and it's based on a principle. Proverbs 27, verse 12. The prudent... See danger and take refuge. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. The prudent see danger and take refuge. The simple keep going and pay the penalty. Here's the thing about this verse The prudent see danger and do what? Take refuge. The simple keep going and pay the penalty. In this verse, you have two people, two responses, two outcomes. Two people, two responses. Same situation, two outcomes. You have the prudent. The prudent, all throughout the book of Proverbs, is the wise person. Uh, Those words are used interchangeably. The wise person is the person who understands that all of life is kind of connected, that there is cause and effect all over the place, that there is a relationship between yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that life is linear, that if you are at A and you move to B, the chances are you're going to get to C. The wise person lives their life, as I've said so many times before, asking this question uh, that Andy Stanley said years ago, in light of my past experience, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? In light of my past experience, so last time I was here, (laughs) excuse me, last time, you know, like she called, last time we went there, last time this happened, last time I responded to this, this way, whatever, in light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, just look around, in light of my future hopes and dreams where I want to end up, what I want to accomplish, what I want my legacy to be, what I want for my reputation, what's the wise thing for me to do? Because the wise person, the prudent person, understands that life is connected, like all of the events of life are connected. And then the proverb says the simple, and that might be offensive to you, but it simply means naive, which might also be offensive to you. But the simple or the naive thinks life is disconnected, like they're all isolated things. The naive person thinks today is about today and tomorrow is about tomorrow, and they're not that, all that connected. You know, so like the, la- the fact that the last four times that I did that, went there, made this decision, I got the same result doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen again. <laughs> somehow the naive person doesn't connect the dots about the future. Somehow the the naive person thinks, well, it's just going to work out. I'm just going to pray about it. It's going to work out that you know I can have intention A and be on path B, and somehow path B will lead me back to destination A. They just don't put things together. The prudent and the simple, two people. There are two different responses to the same situation. The prudent sees danger and they take refuge. Do you know what prudent people do, wise people do when they see, uh-oh, here's an issue. Uh-oh, there's a roadblock. Uh-oh, there's a problem here. They take the appropriate action. They do something. They respond. They look at the information and say, wow, what would the reasonable person do if, I, if this was in their path? And then they do that. They take refuge. The simple, what do the simple do? According to the verse, they keep going. Like, oh, that's, probably not, that's, that's probably going to be a problem. But I really ought to, I ought to what are you going to do about it? Oh, I don't know. I guess, you know, like I should, like, you're right. Like, I don't, but I don't know. Uh, so what are you going to do? Well, nothing right now because it's like down the path. So I'm not going to do anything right now. I'm just going to keep going. It's probably not going to be a big deal once I get there. Well, don't you see? Yeah, 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 you're right. I probably should, should adjust this, change that, stop that, start this, should do this. Probably should, I should, I should, I should, I, should, I know. Mm-hmm. And the simple thing is that if I drive toward the cliff, when I get to the cliff, I won't drive off the cliff, Right? Yeah, I'm going to keep going, and when I get there, it's just going to work out because I've prayed about it, and so there'll be a bridge there by then, and everything's going to be great. It's like, excuse me? Don't you think you should? Yeah, 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 but I'm not going to do anything about it right now. The simple, just keep going. And we hate to be characterized as simple or naive, right? Uh, Because, you know, you're 25 years old, or you're 35 years old, or you're 55 years old, or whatever, however old you are. You're like, I'm not simple. I've lived a lot of life. Give me a little credit. I'm I'm not naive. Well, here's what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that when you see a problem developing in the future, if you continue on this path, and your response is, yeah, I probably you know, ought to do this. I probably ought to change something. I probably ought to quit. I probably ought to start. I probably ought to, I've been here before, so I probably shouldn't repeat the same behavior. But you don't do anything. It's like you're somehow assuming that you're going to be able to break the principle, okay? You're, be able, you can, you're the one to break the principle of the path. You are the exception. You are the fire eater that you can be on a path and never arrive at the destination to which the path leads. The prudent see danger and they do something. The simple just feel Guilty. They feel things. They feel prompted to do something. They feel something in their conscience or in their spirit. And the simple go, oh, yeah, you're so right. Yeah, you're right. I knew that. I, I, I know I should or I know I shouldn't or I know I should be more careful. And they admit and they acknowledge, but they don't do anything. They just keep going. The see danger and take refuge, the simple, keep going. So two people, the prudent and the simple, two responses, two results. You know what the result of being prudent is? The immediate result of being prudent is that sometimes you look foolish. Sometimes you look out of touch. Sometimes you look like the weirdo. Because prudent people act like the future is now. They don't wait till they're at the cliff. They stop miles back. They don't wait till they're at the brink of disaster. They make changes before they get there. And they look a little bit foolish maybe, but they avoid some pain. They avoid some suffering. They avoid some unnecessary problems because the prudent see danger and they take refuge. That's the outcome. The writer of Proverbs tells us specifically about the outcome for the simple. The simple keep going and pay the penalty. So at the end of the process, because they kept going, they pay the penalty. What do we mean by that? Well, I think, you know, having talked to enough people who've paid the penalty, they, they brought so much of it on themselves. And people say things like, how could God let this happen to me? Well, because God works through unchanging principles. Because just how the world works. But the simple keep going and they pay the penalty. And when we're paying the penalty, we're like so mad, right? Like we're just so mad at God and how could you let this happen to me? And and God's like, well, I I gave you this principle. (laughs) I gave you this passage like 3,000 years ago. This isn't new material. You should read this stuff. It's pretty good. You should pay attention. Here's what happens. Here's why it says the simple uh, keep going and pay the penalty. Listen, there are points from which there's no return. Whether it's marriage, relationships, finances, morals, ethics, etc. There are points at which all of your options are bad. And suddenly life kind of begins to unravel and you have like three options and they're all bad. And you're like, well, if I could go back 10 years, I'd have better options. Yep. If I could go back five years, I would have gotten off this path with not as much consequence. Uh Uh-huh. But there's a point at which if you continue down certain paths that you don't have any good options and you're going to, it's what the writer says, pay the penalty. Why? Because you kept going. Why? Because you felt like you should do something. I mean, you knew you needed to do something different. You thought, I know I need to make some changes, but maybe all this stuff isn't going to like lead me where it seems like it's going to lead me and nothing's going to happen really. It's going to work out. Besides, everybody I know seems to be on this path and I just want to pursue my own happiness. Why can't we? We can't all be wrong, can we? The Scripture says you'll pay the penalty. The prudent see danger, they take refuge, they do something. The simple, the naive, they've been warned, but they keep on going and pay the penalty. So, you know, the, the two areas where I think, where I see this most often, um, it's and probably most relatable, is in the areas of our relationships and our finances, That if we could just begin to apply this principle and begin to look at our relationships and our finances through the lens of this principle, it would radically change what's going on in our lives. In terms of relationships, don't forget this, you never evaluate a relationship in terms of where it is. You always evaluate a relationship based on where it's headed. Because all relationships move. They're getting better or they're getting worse. They're getting stronger or they're getting weaker. They're getting more intimate or they're getting less intimate. Relationships move. They have a trajectory and you always evaluate a relationship based on where it's going. The prudent, see danger and take refuge but the simple, keep going and pay the penalty. That's why if you're married and your husband or your wife is saying, honey, I think we really need to talk with somebody about our marriage. Do you know what they're doing? They're saying, you know, we were at A, and then we went to B, and then C, and then there was D, and I kind of think what's next is E, right, right, and uh, so like there seems to be a progression to where we're going here, so maybe we need to do something. And if your response is, I don't know, we haven't had an argument in like two days, so I don't know, I mean, I know I've been out of town the whole time, but um, it's been good, I think we're okay, I don't know why we would have to do that, that seems pretty radical, everything's fine today, I mean, today's good, we've been in church most of the day, so, so far, so, I mean, it could go off the rails yet, but, because it's, maybe things are just an itty-bitty bit worse than they were yesterday, but it's not that big a deal. And your husband or your wife is saying, yeah, but I see where we're going, and we need to do something, The prudency danger, and they do something. The simple keep going, and they think it's all going to work out. It'll get better. Give it some time. It'll be fine. We'll pray about it. Relationships are always moving. So never evaluate a relationship based solely on today. You evaluate a relationship based on where it's trending, right? Like where it's going. So if you're married, and slowly, 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 you find yourself spending time with someone, anyone other than your spouse, it's moving, You're wise to respond to the linear direction of the relationship. And if you ignore that long enough, you will wake up with very, very poor options and you would give anything to be able to go back into the past and do something different because that's what the wise, prudent person does. Same with finances. It's why if I could have one wish for everyone in our church financially, it wouldn't be that you'd give more to the church. That's on my list, but it's not number 1. My one wish for you is that you would take this principle to heart and that the borrower is slave to the lender. And if you're a slave today because of consumer debt, then you'll be a bigger slave a year from now, 5 years from now, 10 years from now. And maybe like maybe you're you're like, "No, I'll have that paid off." I'm like, "No, you won't." Or maybe you will, but you'll accumulate you'll, you'll tack on another thing because there's something else you got to have today. And maybe you're generous in your heart. I think we all are, but you're not that generous with your actual money because you can't be because you're enslaved to to serving debt. You got all these monthly payments and nobody starts their career path thinking, I can't wait to have a ton of debt. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) I know I'm going to make this much at this job, but I'm going to spend this much more. I can't wait to live with like almost no margin. That is going to be sweet. It's an American dream. I can't wait to live in a house I can't afford. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait to buy cars that I shouldn't have. I can't wait. One day I'll be there. Nobody does that. The dream is to be financially free, right? The dream is to have some margin. Your dream is to have some savings. The dream is to be able to retire with some level of dignity. But if you're on a path that's all about debt and leveraging debt to maintain your current lifestyle, that goes somewhere. The simple just keep going. Yeah, we probably ought to downsize. We probably shouldn't buy that car this year. We, we probably ought to sell this. We probably ought to deny ourselves this experience. Or, but, and that, that's great. But when is it going to start? When are you going to start taking a different path? The prudency danger and they do something. The simple just keep going because this is going to work out. It's not that big a deal. If you decide to get serious about this principle there are four words i'd like for you to uh, just kind of keep in mind if you take notes you can write them down or add them to the bible app or whatever actually they're already there four dynamics that kind of go along with this principle the first one is action you have to do something you have to do something maybe you have to end that relationship Maybe you have to make a difficult phone call, even on Father's Day. Maybe you got to get rid of your satellite TV or some of your 17 streaming TV subscriptions or your four-wheeler or your obligatory SUV because you got kids, you got to have an SUV. Maybe it's time to downsize. you got to have a hard conversation. Maybe you got to get serious about finding a new job or maybe getting another job. I don't, I don't know what your deal is, but the prudent see danger and they don't pray about it and they don't think about it and they don't contemplate when they see danger, they take refuge. They do something. So you got to do something. Take some action. Not just feel bad about your situation because, yeah, you're really making me feel great about it right now, Todd, but, but it goes beyond that, right? So it's more than just like feeling close to God because something happened in the church service where you felt God telling you to do something. you got to take action. That's number one. Number two is sacrifice. This proverb requires sacrifice, You're going to have to give something up. And we're not good at that. It's why we have debt. Because we're not willing to give something up or to make ourselves wait for something. I mean, don't we all have stuff that we probably shouldn't have, we can't afford because not only do we not sacrifice, we actually overcompensate and we accumulate things we don't need. So the idea of sacrifice is so... Uncomfortable and so counterintuitive, but if we act on this proverb, you're going to have to sacrifice something. Maybe relationally, you might have to sacrifice your carefully managed and curated image. You might have to sacrifice some money. You might have to sacrifice something in your lifestyle. You might have to sacrifice a friendship or a romance. I I don't know what it's going to be, but I know this: that when you decide, you know, when I see danger, I'm going to act. It almost always requires sacrifice. And that's why we tend to not do it. It's why, like, we get all emotional at church sometimes. And then we get in our cars and we get back into our same lifestyle, our same way of doing relationships, and our same habits. And we're like, you know what? He's probably right, but man, that's so complicated. How am I going to explain that to my husband, to my wife? How am I going to, you know, I'm going to set up a session with a counselor. How how do we have that conversation? You know, how do I, you know, talk to my, tell my fiance, okay, I went to church today and I heard this sermon and I think I need to move out. I heard this sermon today and I think we need to trim our budget. I heard this sermon today and I think we need to back things off. I love you. We just need to back down some. So instead we're like, this is great and all. And it's just, oh, wow, God really spoke to me, but it's so complicated. I'm just going to keep going. Action, sacrifice. Number three, embarrassment. You're like, what? Yeah, because here's the thing. This can be a really embarrassing thing to do. Because the people that know you are going to look at what you do and the decisions that you're about to make and they're going to look at that based on what they see right now. But you've decided, I'm not going to respond to today. I'm going to be prudent. I'm going to respond to tomorrow. I'm going to look down the road And if I see danger, I'm going to act as if we're already there. I'm going to act as if what I see down the road is here right now. And I'm going to act as if the future is now, which means you're going to make some decisions that your friends and coworkers and your family aren't going to understand. You're going to make decisions that even some of the smart people around you won't understand. You're going to have to make decisions that you may never be able to explain fully And they won't understand it. And you'll look like a weirdo. And there's an element of embarrassment. Just being honest. Number four is relief. The, The day is coming then when you stop and take refuge. The day is coming when you breathe a sigh of relief. You can call that peace if you want to. That's what peace feels like. You may look back to that day as the day when you got off a path that was going to lead you to destruction in some area of your life and maybe a year from now or two years from now or three years, you look back and you are like, you breathe a sigh of relief. and You're like, what if I hadn't acted? What if I hadn't ended that relationship? What if I hadn't gotten help for our marriage? What if I hadn't confronted him or her? What if we hadn't made that difficult financial decision? Action, sacrifice, embarrassment. And relief. Or it's much easier to just keep going and pay the penalty. Louis Giglio, have you heard of him? Many of you have. He's a pastor and record producer in Atlanta. He's a pastor at Passion City Church. And he and his wife Shelly founded the Passion Worship Movement back in the 90s. Those of you who are familiar with Louis and have ever listened to any of his teaching know he's a great storyteller. He tells a story about taking some friends uh, sailing back in the mid-90s. And he and Shelly chartered a sailboat, and they invited four friends to join them on a sailing trip in St. Thomas. They spent four or five days um, sailing around St. Thomas, you know, beautiful water, beautiful weather, the whole thing. Day five, the skipper motors their vessel, and in, around into this big cove where there were no houses, no buildings anywhere, all, but all around the shoreline of this cove, the mangroves had grown down into the water. They had these giant roots, you know what I'm talking about, that grew down into the water. So you could back up even a good-sized boat all the way up to these trees, and you're still only within 15 or 20 feet of the shore. And that's exactly what their skipper did in this cove. So he gets in there around these mangrove roots, and then he ties four lines off the boat onto these mangrove roots. And typically when you spend the night on a sailboat, so I've read, in a cove, you would anchor in the middle of the cove, put out one bow line, and then the wind kind of swings you around, and that's kind of what you would typically do. And that's what they'd done the four previous nights. But on this particular night, the captain backs the boat between these mangroves and ties four lines onto the roots. And the water that late afternoon while he was doing this was like so glassy, it was so perfect. Uh, people were water skiing in the cove. Louie and his friends were swimming while the skipper was securing the boat. And then the skipper drops this huge anchor. Then he drops a second anchor, swims, actually swims it out to another position. And he takes a rope and he ties one end to the, bow, to the bow of the sailboat and got into the tender, motored across the cove and ties it off in that direction. Then he takes a second rope, ties it off in a different direction. So if you would come into the cove here on that afternoon, sitting in glassy water, with there's this sailboat with eight lines out. You would have thought, that person knows nothing about sailing. They went through a whole lot of trouble for nothing. But fortunately, the captain had been listening to the weather report and he knew that a hurricane was coming. And they didn't have time to get out of the way. So Louis and Shelley and their friends rode out the hurricane in the sailboat tied up in this cove. At one point in the storm, the wind gauge froze at 126 miles an hour. Storm caused all kinds of damage. Dozens of boats sank in nearby harbors. They watched as several smaller boats came into the cove, just set an anchor, and then broke loose and sank. The next morning, as the the next day as the water is slowly beginning uh, to get to where they could navigate in the tender... They went out to survey the damage, and in the cove next to them, there were seven sailboats that sank, and all you could see was three or four feet of the mast sticking out above the surface of the water. But Louis says that he and his friends never felt afraid. They thought the whole thing was kind of exciting, and uh, you know why? Because their captain saw trouble coming, and he didn't go, you know what, guys? We really ought to think about doing something. Here's some more information of what could happen. We should think about this. Nor did he take his cue from all the other skippers. They were the only sailboat that sailed out of either of those coves. I want to teach you a prayer, and it goes like this. Heavenly Father, help me to see trouble coming. Give me the wisdom to know what to do. Then give me the courage to do it. Help me to see trouble coming. Give me the wisdom to know what to do and give me the courage to do it. There's no guarantee that you're always going to get it right, all right? But I challenge you to pray this prayer. Pray it over your finances. Pray it over your marriage. Pray it over your children. Pray it over your children's friends. Pray it over our church. Heavenly Father, we're just not smart enough to know. I haven't lived enough of life to know. I'm on paths I've never seen before. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to waste a year. I don't want to waste a day. I don't, I don't want to have to backtrack and carry baggage with me. I don't ever want to get to the place where all my options are bad because I stayed on the path too long. Because I said, yeah, I ought to. Yeah, you're right. I know I ought to do something. I don't want to do that. I want to be able to see trouble coming I want, and then have the courage to do something to take refuge. So God, give us the wisdom to help us see trouble coming a long way off. Give us the wisdom to know what to do and give us the courage to do it. So, while I've been talking, maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about some path that you need to rethink and maybe get off of. If so, your temptation may be to to go, yeah, you're right. I know this isn't going to lead me where I ultimately want to be. I know if I stay on this path, I'm not going to have any good options left. I know that. I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to listen to this podcast again this week. I'm going to share this on Facebook. That's what I'm going to do. Because I need to hear this again. <laughs> no, you don't. Because you're just going to be tempted to just keep going. And if you never miss church for the next five years, but you keep going on the path you're on, you will pay the penalty and you know that. There may be a day down the road when you look back and you would give anything to be able to go back to June 20th, 2021 and say, I wish I'd acted on what I knew to do. So let's not waste another minute on a path that leads us somewhere we don't want to be where God definitely doesn't want us to be because he has more for you. His dream for you is bigger than you can even imagine. Whether it's relationally or financially or in your marriage, in the realm of entertainment or some controlling behavior, some addiction or in your work or whatever it might be, wherever the issue is, don't wait another minute and don't waste another minute because your heavenly father who loves you has put enough warnings in the middle of your path to say danger is coming. Now it's up to you to do something. The prudent, see danger and take refuge. And the simple, Keep going and pay the penalty. Now, just before I pray, let me give you a little guidance for the next few minutes. After I pray, we're going to play some music and we're going to put some questions and some statements on the screen and we're going to take a few minutes for personal reflection. So after I pray... Stay right where you are. Let's all engage with this, okay? Let's be respectful of the people around us. This isn't a time for a conversation or a transition. This is a time for personal reflection. So let's take a few minutes to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Let's be open to what he has to show us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, for the practical guidance that we find in your word. Thank you for the wisdom and the insight from writers like Solomon. Thank you that we don't have to strain or stretch to know how to apply these truths to our lives. So today we simply pray, help us see trouble coming. Give us the wisdom to know what to do and then give us the courage to do it, to act on it, to act on what we know is true, what is true about life, what is true about ourselves, what is true about you. In these next few minutes of reflection, we want to just be open to what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. May we respond with humility, with openness, and then may we act accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen.